Change Room. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And I'm Andrew. Welcome, fellas. You know, as we were developing our outline for today's episode, it occurs to me we didn't add the most important bit of news coming out that came out this week. And and that would be that there is a Super Mario Brothers movie coming out and that Chris Pratt is playing Super Mario. You know, the reason why he took that role is so he could go back to Fat Pratt. <laughs> That's the whole reason. Well, it's animated. Pratt. So, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's an, it really doesn't matter what he looks like. He's a method Even, actor. He's going to put the weight on. <laughs> yeah, I have heard so many people ranting about this because apparently they have the voice actor that does Mario normally. But he's only doing like bit parts. It's weird. It's definitely odd casting. Like uh, Chris Pratt, first of all, as Mario. Charlie Day as Luigi. Jack Black as Bowser. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. <laughs> like, huh? I, I, feel, I, I don't really. <laughs> why do you bother? I, really, I really <laughs> wish they'd use like real voice actors for that kind of stuff, as opposed to celebrity voices. Right. Especially because you know, Mario I'm, is a property that sells itself, right? Like you don't right. need you don't you Chris don't need Pratt. to spend that money above the line. Ed, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they feel like it puts you know butts in seats or downloads, but I, I wish they wouldn't do that on the animated features. Yeah, Agreed. not that I'm ever going to see this movie. No, that's that's <laughs> but, the real question. Why? Why do we need a Super Mario movie? Uh, yeah, it, has, it's a me, has, Mario. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. <laughs> I mean, I'm not are, sure. There are some actors that are really good as voice actors, but most of them, it's a completely different skill set. Right. I, I, I just don't understand why. I don't, I don't feel like Chris Pratt's going to have a good Italian accent. I, I, I feel it's like it's going to be horrible. Maybe I'm wrong. But, Maybe he's uh, not even going to bother. Like, and, I have, and that's my, that's my honestly, t- that's more my concern. Like, <laughs> it's just going to be Chris Pratt, and it's going to be Chris Pratt and Charlie Day, and I'm going to be like, huh, this yeah. seems weird. And these are Italian brothers, you say? Yeah, I mean, they, at least we don't have to deal with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo pretending to be brothers. <laughs> Actually, I think that one, I think one of them was adopted in that movie, but that's not the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing you didn't put on the uh, the list for news today would have been Christopher Reeve's 69th birthday. It oh. would have been yes. That's because I didn't want to bring uh, it down, Wayne. I didn't want to bring us yeah. down. Only happy well, thoughts here. It's one of those things where Google has their uh, yeah. their thing every day. Well, today's Google thing is Christopher Reeve. Hmm. I, always, I always find those interesting because they have some, you know, a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily have heard of or know about, mm-hmm. like history or different people. And so I always just check Google every day and just see what is their thing of the day. But it's and, not. Oh, good. Yes. And today it's Christopher Reeve's 69th birthday. And it's not it's not Christopher Reeves, you know, in, in dynamic Superman pose on the Google little I forget what they call these little things, but uh, it's him in the chair, you know, with the uh, ventilator yeah. hooked yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's a really really cool picture they used today. Yeah, it's Google Doodle. Doodle, thank you, Wayne. The Google Doodle. Hmm. Doodle Doodle. Well, if you're on Google checking that out, you can go you can Google Marvel lawsuit and come across another. Another Marvel. <laughs> Another <suit>. Marvel lawsuit. <laughs> you know, uh, the folks at Disney slash Marvel, you know, kind of thought they were done with all of this uh, uh, creator rights lawsuits, you know, regarding the uh, Marvel universe. But the uh, the Ditko, so what is it? Ditko. It's 
gosh, I forget the other two. Uh, Stanley. Stanley, yeah, the, the the Leibowitz family, and then I, who's the third one? Oh, Gene Colan. Uh, so all of the uh, survivors and inheritors of those estates are trying to reassert their rights. And so uh, Disney has filed lawsuits to protect their copyrights. Um, and so, you know, it's we, we've had this conversation uh, on the show for years, you know, particularly around the Kirby lawsuit uh, with uh, Marvel. And, you know, this is this is, you know, uh, a, a similar kind of lawsuit. In fact, it's a lot of the same characters, not in terms of plaintiffs, uh, plaintiffs and defendants, uh, it, but in terms of the lawyers involved. The lawyers were involved on both sides uh, in those prior lawsuits. And what could happen here if uh, if the uh, survivor families are successful, they could get a piece of the American copyrights of characters like Iron Man and uh, Spider-Man and I forget what Gene Col- oh, Black Widow. Uh, uh, Gene Cullen was Captain Marvel and yeah. Falcon, Don Rico. Yeah, Don, Don, Don Rico is the one in his uh, state... <laughs> I hired the uh, Mark Toporoff, the uh-huh. guy that represented uh, Siegel and Schuster. Yeah, I mean it's a it, it's a pretty big deal. I think it's unlikely they'll win just based on uh, what our courts look like right now. Uh, that our our, yeah. our our higher courts, our federal courts, are extremely corporate friendly. So I I I find it doubtful. But Marvel has might... beat these kind of lawsuits before. And yeah. now they have well, Disney lawyers. But I will, <laughs> I, I will say they did settle the Kirby lawsuit. The Kirby lawsuit never finished, and uh, so I, I, you know, the, the the Supreme Court never made a decision on that because they settled it out. And I think that's what I think the 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 lawsuit that Disney Marvel has put out there will pressure the families into settling. Um, I think that's the smartest move because even though I think the courts favor uh, the corporation in, in this, I think it's an awfully big risk, and it would make sense for the uh, corporation to settle with these families. Yeah, and I think it's a good time for them to bring it from the standpoint of Marvel's getting some bad press right now from oh, yeah. the Black Widow lawsuit. Yep, yep. I, it's certainly interesting. You know, I, I think that there is a strong case. Uh, in favor of the corporation in that all of this was work for hire. Um, but uh, it should be interesting. It should be interesting. It, 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 the, the, these are always just fascinating arguments to me in terms of creator rights uh, from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, and it's one of those things that'll be 30 seconds of a documentary in 20 years. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, I, I got to tell you, you know, we talked last week on the show about how I was unimpressed with the last couple of episodes of What If, and I absolutely loved this week's episode of What If. Yeah, after uh, it was so, so many, mu- it was yeah, so after, much fun. After it was so amazing. Much fun. After so many in a row that I'd been disappointed by, uh-huh. this one was like a breath of fresh air, and it was fun. Yeah, it was. I cracked up in fact you know it, it, the whole what if thing here is you know what if thor was an only child and so the setup is that uh instead of odin raising loki as his own he returned loki to uh the the, the frost giants and you know strangely enough loki and thor wind up being friends you know and when thor arrives on earth 
it's like a great big frat party. I mean, he it's just, you know, party all over the world. I was cracking up. I mean, when 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 uh, Samuel L. Jackson, you know, Nick Fury calls him Spicoli, I thought it was going <laughs> to die. <laughs> and I anytime they bring in Howard the Duck, I'm happy. Uh-huh. But Howard the Duck and Darcy getting married. Uh-huh. That just, in Vegas. It made the episode. It was Vegas. amazing. Yeah. Well, Mrs. the Duck. This is the duck. Well, and and you know they they bring in all these characters from all the different Marvel movies, and so you've got the collector, you know <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's character, being the DJ at the party, and you know he he stops the music, and you're like, oh god, here he's going to do something awful, and he's release the foam and boom all over everybody <laughs> at the dance. I'm just like, this is awesome. I laughed so hard. Yeah, release I, the foam. <laughs> they, they, Guardians of the Galaxy's there. They had uh, they had the Ice Bros and Loki showed up. And, and you know the when when you know uh, Loki and, and Thor encounter each other there on uh, you know in Vegas, you know it looks for a minute like there's some bad bad stuffs about to go down. And then suddenly uh, you know Loki's like my brother from another mother. And, you know they they bro hug uh, and is just is just fantastic. Yeah, because yeah. Loki isn't bitter. No, yeah, no. He grew well, up with his people. They grew up, you know, the brothers always going to have tension between brothers, right? You're always going to have a, a, a competition, anger, jealousy. Uh, but you know, since they grew up with from different families, they are they are like tight friends. And what was what was super fun about the episode is that Odin is in the Odin sleep, and so uh, Frigga decides to you know go off on a girls' trip and uh, leaves. Thor there in Asgard as, you know, the reigning king while, you know, Odin takes a nap. And so what he does is is he heads down to Earth to throw, you know, a wild, wild party. Well, Frigga finds that, you know, and she tells him, you know, I better I better not find out that you've gone, that you've left Asgard, that you've gone and partied or anything, you know, no parties, you know, like a parent would when they leave the house. And so Frigga is portrayed as mother who checks up on son. And it was killing me this yeah. episode was yeah. freaking hilarious well and i love the fight with captain marvel because like uh, oh yeah thor throws the hammer and she's like you missed and then it comes back <laughs> and smashes her in the back of the head <laughs> yeah I, the, the the whole episode was just a joy J- i mean just an absolute joy i i dug it a whole lot and i i i uh, am so glad they did this episode it was a very fun episode. It was yeah. a, a hoot and a half to watch. It really was. It really was. And I got to tell you, um, I was dubious going into Star Wars Visions. Uh, the first episode of Star Wars Visions blew my hat off. Oh, I, yeah. That first episode is, I, I know Wayne you know, had different opinions on the art style. But it's like I watching thought it was Throne brilliant. of Blood animated. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> I was like, man, I need a whole movie like this. It was so good. Yeah, I found for a lot of these visions, I'm I'm further along than I think the rest of you are on the show. Yeah, I'm three because I'm watching all of them. Uh, I think it was episode five was by far my favorite, where it was the first that I enjoyed the story and the art. The first episode of Visions, the story was just out of the park, incredible. Loved it, but I did not care for the animation and the art at all. Ugh. Just, I absolutely adored it. You know, number one, it was black and white, except for just some rare splashes of color, 
largely around uh, lightsabers and uh, you know different violence and and electricity kind of thing. Uh, but the artwork was awfully it was awfully reminiscent of Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, which you know also takes me back to Kurosawa, Throne of Blood, you know, uh, Seven Samurais, the whole bit. I, I mean, it was just just freaking amazing. I am not a big anime fan. And, and I just loved the artwork on, on, on uh, that first episode. Now, second episode, I didn't watch the whole thing. I fast forwarded through it because I was so annoyed by <laughs> the, I, I think that was Tatooine Rhapsody. Yes. What that one was called. That one oh. was, uh, I had heard such good things about that one online oh, and, and I watched I it and I'm like, oh, no, no, yeah, no. That was rough. I hated the story and the art on that one. Yeah, I, it was right. Yeah, I, both. I couldn't. There wasn't anything to keep me there. So, I mean, I did. I, I just fast forwarded through it, watched the, you know, the opening, watched the end. And I mean, you know, those things are only, what, 14 minutes long, but whew, that was rough. Yeah, I'm finding rough. the. So I know these are anime inspired, you know, Star Wars stories. There's some things in them that are just frustrating to me. I want to know where they take place. You know, where in the timeline do these. Well, I don't think fit? it matters. Think that these are these are out of continuity. These are uh, these are just almost like a what if Star Wars. It's a Star Wars. They, what they've done is they've gotten other you know directors and artists to come in and just give us their interpretation of a Star Wars story that doesn't have to take place anywhere. I think yeah, that's one of the things they're really doing playing up is the color of the lightsaber is dependent on the person wielding it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the same lightsaber could be, you know, blue or it could be red, depending on who's holding it. I don't I don't think you've gotten far enough yeah. to do, have an episode that does that. But that's something that, as a uh, Star Wars fan, that kind of bugs me. But Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there were things that there, there were elements, in, certainly in the third episode, which I don't recall what that one was called, uh, with the twins. I think that was yeah. what it was called, the twins. Um. I, I I didn't care for that. I did not care for... Yeah, uh, I'm watching the Twins episode. And there are some really cool designs and things on there. But oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just like, they're fighting in space. I, I can I can buy a little bit of, you know, the Force lets them last longer in space. But they're fighting and talking in space, in the vacuum of space. Well, and they're riding on the outside of a, of a ship in, hyper, in hyperdrive. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> See, that stuff doesn't bother bother me. I mean, I know it's silly, but at the same time, like I, I understand the creative liberties and the, the you know, the the metaphorical stuff. I mean, it, it's, it's funny to hear Wayne complain about such things, given because you are an anime fan, aren't you? I'm an anime fan, but I'm not a shonen fan. Ah, and that I don't know what that means, more- but... That episode, that more something. than anything, was a shonen show. It was a shonen episode. Basically like a Dragon Ball Z or something like uh, that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the clarification. Yeah, I, one of the things that I wish they had included in this or in the descriptions of each episode is the animation studios that are responsible for each episode. I would like to know what they have previously done. And maybe, actually, now that I look at it, they do have that, so... I should probably not complain about such what things. What was the first episode called? Because it was in the Japanese on the screen. Was that what it was called? Yeah, the Duel. The Duel. Okay. Because yeah. I, man, I got to tell you that 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 really took my breath away. I just thought that was just gorgeous 
and would love to see more in that style. Yeah. I mean, I, I've enjoyed even the second episode. I enjoyed it for what it was. I did, you know, I'm not going to watch it again. <laughs> But I mean, I you know, it, there are all different types, of, and people, like I said, people online have loved the second episode. Um, not my jam, but I, you know. I think that's an age thing. I mean, I think that you know, generation, uh, another generation down, that's their jam, and that's fine. I mean, well, I think one of the nice things about this concept is that there's something there for everybody. You know, yeah. I I, I think that's great. It's I a really fun do. idea. It's a, it's a you know it, we've been talking about what if. Um, you know, and, and how Marvel's kind of reintroducing themselves on the animation uh-huh. front that way. I mean, bringing Star Wars has had successful animation for years now between Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. But this is truly something different. This is not something that right. you, know, you you have to worry. You know, it's not like the the Lucas story group is saying it has to be beholden to certain rules and has to take place between episodes two and three and can't conflict with this. Like they're just kind of like letting the reins go, which is something we well, don't normally see there. And yeah, I, a- I think that's important, particularly when you think about the news this week about how, uh, was it Marsha Lucas? Is that her name? Uh, yes, I believe so. George Lucas's uh, ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah. Who came out and, you know, who edited the original star Wars movies. Right. Um, she, uh, you know, she came out talking about how, you know, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and JJ Abrams just do not understand star Wars. And that she was disappointed in all their various efforts in the uh, in the uh, recent prequel, not prequel uh, trilogy. Um, I, I think part of the part of that part of what is so great about Star Wars Visions is, to your point, Paul, is that they've taken their hands off the reins. They've given it to creators and just said, "Go do your thing," yeah. you know. Make a make a Star Wars thing. It, it's low risk, you know. Um, I think it, this is a great way to tell your Star Wars stories from different perspectives, different unique perspectives. And yeah, some of it's not gonna not gonna fly with everybody. But again, it's low stakes. And man, I, it it proves to me that there is a lot more water in this well. That we need to get some of the people who have been driving the ship off the ship. And I'm not saying Kathleen Kennedy is not the right person there. I think that that J.J. Uh, Abrams is absolutely not the right person. <laughs> I mean, I just I, I truly believe that, you know, that that J.J. Abrams. I mean, he did he did a retread of uh, of Star Wars to make Force Awakens. And while I think some of that nostalgia was well placed, there's a lot of stuff in Force in force awakens that you know is just repetitive and it really doesn't doesn't uh doesn't drive the story forward yeah i think the cool thing about this project is by having the different studios do the different episodes which a couple studios do more than one episode but they're so drastically different styles that yeah you're going to find something you like you're going to find something you don't like right. throughout all the episodes because it's going to be hard for all these different studios to come together and create something where you like them all, but well, but you know it gives one you of the stuff ni- for everyone. Yeah, but and and one of the nice things about having watched the three episodes I've watched, even though there there were there were two that I was not too excited about and one that I actually hated, um, none of it made it made me want to quit Star Wars or go on the internet and scream at people, you know, because the stakes aren't that high, right? You know, I didn't have to wait you know, uh, umpteen years to get, to get this, this, uh, episode, you know, it just showed up. 
<laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, if I don't like it, I don't have to watch it again. It was great. Um, but it, I do need some more of that. Uh, the duel. It was. It yeah, was I am. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you think of uh, episode five when you get to it. The ninth Jedi by production IG. Mm-hmm. I, I said I loved it. My wife was watching these with me and she made a comment that all of the others felt like they were animes with a Star Wars flavor on them. Mm-hmm. And that was the first episode she felt like was a Star Wars with an anime flavor to it. Are you sure it's not called production Ig? <laughs> I, I'm sure. Ig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, production IG does a couple of my favorite animes of all time. So I I didn't realize they were the ones that did this until right now when I'm looking through the list of who made the different episodes. But I'm not surprised that I like that one best so far because cool. I like the studio. All right. So I, I, I'm sure we'll we'll revisit this conversation once it's all done. Before we leave all of our television conversation, Uh-oh. how many more episodes of What If do we have, Paul? Does anybody know? Oh. What, what was this current episode? Seven, I think? Something like that. Six, seven? I think there's ten? Okay. You know, oh, it's nine funny. Episodes. I didn't, nine episodes. Season. I didn't see anything online about this week's episode. And uh, so I, when I was when I was sitting down to watch TV last night, I went over to, to check Marvel. And I had this momentary fear... Was there not a new episode this week? Because you know, <laughs> usually I just see a, a lot of you know memes and activity online about it, but I hadn't, I, I did not see anything this week. So you I know, was, I was happy. It's funny because I am an episode behind. I haven't seen uh-huh. uh, the Killmonger episode of What If either. I, I just really? skipped that one. You that, can skip no, that. that. That's the thing. Better. Like you know, I, I think it is not required viewing for me. I'm going to watch it, of course, right. because it's Marvel. But you know, I think it is so inconsistent. And it's not like the creative team generally changes. All these episodes are written by the same person. Mm-hmm. It's just that sometimes he writes great stuff. Sometimes he doesn't. Um, yeah. And it's been relative. I mean, but if I were to take the seven up, well, the five that I've seen and kind of combine them into an aggregate score, it would be meh, right? Like it's, it hasn't blown my mind. At, and, and even the good episodes have not blown my so- mind. Paul, they're all directed by the same person. They are not all written by the same no, person. That's what they're, I mean. There are two writers, and they've been splitting them back and forth, and then they work together on uh, the one, the world lost its mightiest heroes one. But yeah, they've been splitting them back and forth. Yeah. So I'm just yeah, I I, I will of course get caught up, but like I said, I say, it, it doesn't feel I, like I need to wake up and watch it first thing in the yeah, morning. I get you with that, Paul, because it would not be appointment TV for me if we weren't talking about it on the show. Yeah, I make I was, a point to watch it every week to talk about it with you guys. I feel like I you're saying kidding. something about my uh, my commitment to this show. <laughs> I, I think we are. I do. Full, that's, that's, I that's think we're full attack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say I enjoy uh, most of the episodes of What If, but I, I will say that none of them have blown my mind. Uh, there, there's been nothing, you know, that's revolutionized, uh, you know, TV or animation or Marvel for me in them. But I've, I've enjoyed most of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of mediocre, we should probably talk about this week's Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooh, hot take. That one called. So let me clarify. I enjoyed this issue of Guardians of the Galaxy issue 18. There was literally no reason to call this story The Last Annihilation. There were, for, for all the fact that they kept telling us how big the stakes were, I never felt like there were stakes in this book, or at least they weren't appropriately represented. 
It was um, probably in that episode, uh, that issue of Cable you didn't read. That's probably where all the yeah, mistakes. probably all the mistakes. <laughs> um, I, yeah. you know, I've, I've read this. Skipping list. that was your was your yeah, that, that was my was problem. Your main no. mistake. Yeah, this exactly. book just felt. I mean, it, it it ended, and first of all, I, I guess this is the last issue because it, it, it basically is. says like the end for now or something like that. Yeah. Um, this story just felt like a big bunch of nothing to me. Yeah, I'm with you, Paul. I felt the same way about this. It just it ended flat for me. It seemed like you know it was too easy to beat him it's like they fought all of this time and then out of nowhere here's how we're going to beat him i did like after he's gone the wrap-up stuff though yeah well did you did you particularly like the hints at a three-way between star lord nova and gamora i did because I'm like, I'm like, I got strong vibes are, are there. Are we really doing this? Yeah. Yes. Are we really doing this? Um, well, and you know, to, to I, you know, I know Andrew was joking, but it does feel like if you look at the core four issues of Guardians of the Galaxy, all the action and fighting actually took place <laughs> in the tie-in books. Because you know, I, I read the the last two issues of Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's really just a bunch of talking. Um, you know, until the the last sequence where they actually shoot Dormammu with the giant space gun, it's really just a bunch of people going from one place to another and something happening like yeah. in another book. It's a lot of chase. It's a lot of chasing the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I I th- I think there are some ways they could have improved this event, and one is to put it all in one and under one title, mm-hmm. whether that be a a uh, limited run series or just in the pages of one book. Um, the sprawling nature of it, uh, particularly when you're putting it in a book as, as shitty as Cable. Because I, I didn't buy that book, but I did look at the preview art. Because if the preview art was, was any good, I was going to give it a shot. Because I can't, t- I think I haven't read a Cable book since 1990-something. Um, it was it was awful. I mean, the I don't know why you launch a series, particularly a series that, you know, is in the, the X-book uh, you know, uh, banner. Why the hell would you do it with such a with such a craptastic artist? I I, just, I don't understand that. I, I truly don't. I don't know why you why you would you know launch a number one and not you know put somebody on there who's decent because you know the X books typically have pretty good art. Yeah. And I think anybody who flips through that thing would go ooh. Well, I also no, find it you. interesting. They hyped hyped yeah. the relaunch of Guardians of the Galaxy. Hyped it. Yeah, yeah we, we were we talked about it. oh they're relaunching it as a superhero team and Doctor Doom's gonna be in it and blah blah and interconnecting covers by Brett Booth and then six issues later it's like final issue bye yeah um you know I get that baby basically this was a six issue storyline because for what it's worth yeah. issue sixteen is the first one that has the last annihilation book uh, or banner on it which is funny because issue seventeen does not uh, but right. issue eighteen does. But really, issues 13 through 18 are one long story, or one six-issue storyline that, for in the end, um, wasn't bad, wasn't deserving of the Annihilation banner, uh, I, and didn't feel yeah, like an event think, to me. I think it started really strong. Oh, yeah. I, well, love I think there's the some Dr. great Dream ideas stuff. in there, right? I mean, the, the, the ideas behind it, you know, Dor- Dormammu and invading the Marvel Universe, um, I, I think that's, that's just an amazing idea, and you know, uh, possessing, you know, ego, the living planet. Yeah, great uh, ideas. But it's, it's yeah. the stakes where it was lost for me. Like, oh, Dormammu took over Chitauri Prime. And I'm like, okay. And then they just move Wait, on. Like, it, the stakes what, just never felt real I love to me. the Hulkling and Wiccan stuff in the, 
you know, throughout it. But yeah, it just you never had the in you never had the in the trenches feel like you did during the the first two Annihilation series, mm-hmm. right? Where you had heroes just you know right there behind behind the lines, going, "Holy shit, I don't think we're gonna make it." You know, despite the fact that arguably the invasion force from Dormammu is much more powerful than the annihilation wave from Annihilus. Yeah. Right. I would think so because you've got the magic Uh, and science combined here. Right. Well, and and the mindless ones, you know, who are are invulnerable and undefeatable, you know, that this should have been terrifying. And, you know, they just, as much as I, enjoy a lot of this of this series they never really demonstrated the stakes right they never made you feel hopeless they never and that should have happened there should have been people going oh my god oh my god (laughs) you know uh you know people just terrified and it also should have you know rolled over to earth you know the fact that uh, d- that Dr. Doom is fighting on the side of the angels, you know, wink. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, that Dormammu is involved. It seems like we would have sh- seen some other Earth hero involvement in this. Yes, specifically the whole storytelling. I kept asking, where's Dr. Strange? Right. Yeah. You have a Dormammu story. Where is Dr. Strange? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it, it was very interesting, the choices that were made with it. Um, removing it from... Yeah, when I think about other successful, similar, and when uh, mm-hmm. similar, what I mean by that is you know inter, you know, kind of like interplanetary type crossovers, things like Infinite or the Infinity Books or the previous Annihilations. You know, yes, it, some some of them brought in Earth, most of them brought in Earth, some of them didn't, but you still felt as if. Hmm. Like the stakes are too high. The stakes are high. The good the good guys could potentially lose. People died. Like you felt like there was you felt suspense. And no point in this book did I feel like. Yeah. Hmm. Someone's not going to make it out of this alive. Yeah. <laughs> you you know? know what this story was, Paul? It was Dormammu going for walkies. <laughs> it was Dormammu going for walkies. Yeah. Basically, well, he got legs to go for his walkies. Well, um, walkies are important. You know, you need to keep your heart healthy. Well, it doesn't really matter because Doctor Strange died anyway in the death of Doctor Strange. Spoilers! Spoilers! Just jump into the last page, Ari. Okay. Well, you know, or the or the cover or the title: "The Death of Doctor Strange, Issue One" from Jed McKay and Lee Garbett. Um, Jed McKay. I thought, was, I thought that was just a red herring in the title. Honestly, <laughs> well, it, it kind of was. We'll get there. Um, you know, so uh, Jed McKay, uh, if you don't remember, is the current writer of Moon Knight and the writer of that Taskmaster series that we all loved. Uh, so, guys, what did you think of the death of Doctor Strange issue one? It was fantastic. I loved it. I love the references to, you know, uh, his the Doctor Strange portrayal we've seen over the decades, you know, with Wong referencing, you know, how he used to talk and, uh, you know, zounds and all the kind of crazy language used. I like the kind of the uh, uh, fact that he'd return to medicine. Uh, of course, Bats is there. I love Bats. And uh, you're right. We knew Doctor Strange was going to die. Uh, but I was not expecting what happened to the page after Doctor Strange is going to die. And, and the art was beautiful. Yeah, I love that he's calling uh, Ileana on not, you know, keeping her house in order. Yeah, right. Since she's the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, he's like, uh, you gotta, you gotta keep your, you gotta just keep your stuff together. Like, why are you letting this uh, bleed into Earth? 
Yeah, everything with bats was just incredible. I love the walkies and all of that conversation. I love this book beginning to end. I, It is all of the Doctor Strange stuff that I've loved over the years seem to be hit on, including him staring at the picture of Cleo. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that he – it's not just Doctor Strange. He pulls in the whole kind of magical – universe in a sense it's not like you spend a lot of time with these characters we see a lot of the, the kind of classic magical things uh and characters that that exist like shaman uh and clea and and of course baron mordo um it, it seems like they're gonna get pulled into this book it's, it's gonna be i don't know maybe a very focused on the magic universe uh of the marvel universe which i'm excited about and doyle and doyle mm-hmm well, and what I'm hearing is this, you know, the, the, the word on the street is that this ties into also the, the death of uh, the Scarlet Witch in that book. Uh, they, they seem unrelated, but apparently there, there's you know, something about the dagger ties the two t- books together. So I guess we, we could be potentially dealing with a book that leads up to a larger crossover event. Well, there is, it is a crossover. I mean, no, that's true. It does the... cross over into the other magic books at the end. It... Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that list of, uh, and it's not, a, it's, it's, thankfully, it's not an excessive number of crossovers or in one shots, but um, it, it is a little bit of crossover because I think there's, what, five issues of, of Death of Doctor Strange, and there was maybe, what, eight, eight, nine comics on that list. Yeah. What I found interesting is I kept reading, yeah, I was reading the list, and font choice is important, kids, mm-hmm. because I saw Death of Doctor Strange, White Fox number one, but I kept reading that as White Sox, and I'm like, how do the White Sox, how does Chicago have anything to do with the death of Doctor Strange? That is an interesting connection here. Um, and no matter, I mean, I still look at it knowing it's White Fox, and it looks like White Sox to me. It, you're right, it does. I had missed that, it, but it does look a lot like White Sox. Be a whole lot better if it was if it, if it starred the Chicago White Sox. I I would <laughs> I would buy it. Um, I won't be buying it with a White Fox, but if it was White Sox. I'm not even a fan, yeah. but I'd be curious. I won't get, yeah, I won't get all of them on the checklist, but there's a couple of them I'll like. I will look at the art for each one of them in the preview pages, mm-hmm. and I know I'll probably get the Spider-Man one. Uh, I'll probably skip the X-Men. I don't know Black Knight. I'd like, but not the X-Men related one. I'm getting Blade. I'm getting Strange Academy, of course. I'm getting uh, Strange Academy, of course. The others are going to be dependent on art. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked the book a lot. I liked uh, the only the only bad the only negative thing that I will have to say about this book is I am not a fan of when you kill a character and bring them back within the same issue. And I know so, it's not the exact same thing, but <laughs> you know, where you find some way to bring that character back within the exact same issue. I, I mean, it, I wish they'd almost save that reveal for the second issue. Let us sink on it a little bit because you know, here's Doctor Strange's body, and four pages later, here's a prior version of Doctor Strange brought to reality um, as a kind of a, a contingency plan. But I, I want to know how that happens. Like, I'm very interested in how yeah. this version of himself from 30 years ago is, is now in the present day. Well, and I love how Ditko-y he looks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he just looks like, it looks like Steve Ditko drew this guy. Uh, yeah. And That's, I love that about this book. Yeah. Even the cloak is blue. Yeah, his, his original cloak before he got the uh-huh. uh, fancy one, yeah. Now, I, I got to say, you know, I, I agree with everything you guys have said about this book. I think this, this book is, is fantastic. Uh, I, I'm excited about this series. But I got to say, that, that there's one thing you guys haven't covered. The one thing that I found the most startling revelation in this book. Uh, okay. It, it, and it, there, there, 
there is almost an entire page dedicated to this, and you guys haven't mentioned it, but it's that Doctor Strange wears a shorty robe. <laughs> it's just I just I I, I found I was that tells me a lot about who Stephen Strange is. You know, uh, and that page, like it's the very next page after that, where he gets to the door and then he stops. And he's like, uh-huh. "All right, Stephen, Doctor Strange never tires. Doctor Strange is never rumpled." And then he does the whole, you know, the costume, the big right. enter, like you always see him do this over the top thing. And I love that seeing the tired Dr. Strange stop himself and be like, no, I have an image to protect. Aaron, don't you wear a shorty robe? Of course I, I wear I vaguely remember robe. an Instagram post of years past <laughs> with Aaron in his shorty robe outside. Stephen Strange at least kept his shorty robe inside. <laughs> well, and Aaron, you left out one of the key parts on that page. It's not just that he's wearing a shorty robe. He's getting a foot bath from some sort of purple tentacled creature. Don't we all? No, I have no purple tentacled creatures in my house. Well, I, I do. I've got them, you know, just, just for my foot bath. Right now. Oh, right now, they're bathing yeah, his feet exactly. in his shorty yeah, robe. Exactly. <laughs> um, they don't rub my feet. <laughs> oh. oh, so creepy. Wayne. <laughs> but no, I, I genuinely enjoyed this issue. I will absolutely be picking up at least the five issues here. And on the tie-ins, it, Strange Academy is a guarantee. The rest of them is really just going to be dependent on art. Now, nope. now Paul, yes, um, you had to remind me that Nightwing was out this week. Uh because I, I got lost in the fear state banner across yeah. the top of it just and the the rather large presence of Batman on the cover and I just didn't even read the uh, the title logo. I just assumed it was a Batman book I wasn't reading. Um, but you know Nightwing number 84 came out this week and it made Paul cry. It just I hit me in the feels. It hit me I in the think field. it's yeah. important that we all acknowledge Paul tears. <laughs> well, you know, so this is a tie into fear state which so one of the things I want to say, um, you know, we've talked a, a lot about how crossovers kind of interrupt your main story thread um, in a book. Yeah. And this one, you know, not only is it interrupting it, it uh, when I got to the title page of the issue, it's interrupting it for three issues. And, you know, so you, you see Nightwing talking about all the things in, from his press conference and all the things he's planning to do in Bloodhaven. And then he's like, oh, wait, got a call from Gotham. Got to go for three issues. I'll be back to my storyline in a little bit. I'm going to get my dog taken care of by my friends. Um, I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of jarring. Um, but, you know, that's how crossovers work. And at least they found a way to have that transition, um, which, I, you know, I kind of I give credit to credit to Tom Taylor there. Um, now, that being said, despite the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of the current status quo in the Batman books and the whole fear state, um, future state thing going on there, I genuinely enjoyed this book. And the moments, um, you know, in the book where Batman and Robin are, or Batman and Nightwing are talking, um, you know, they're, they're talking about how, you know, Nightwing's thanking him to for, for coming and helping him because he got stuck in Crime Alley and... Yeah, Batman came and saved him, and Batman goes, I watched my parents die in that alley. I wasn't going to let that happen to my son. And I'm like, ugh, right in the feels. Right in the feels. That that made yeah. this book work worth it. I, I knew when I saw that panel, that was the one you were talking about. But yeah, I will say, Future State sucked for the most part. Fear State is, you know, leaning heavily into the Future State stuff that I hated. And I really hate that this book is being interrupted by it. 
That said, I appreciated that we actually saw him, you know, take the time to figure out where to leave his dog, Haley. That's something you normally don't see in these books. I think they handled the crossover well here. You know, it felt like this was a Nightwing book, not a a book that just Nightwing happens to be in, at least. But I'm really annoyed this is going to be a three-part story. I want to get back to the Nightwing book we were reading. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, and but I because Tom, I will tell you, if it was, I know it's a fill-in artist, but if it was a fill-in writer and a fill-in artist, right, yeah. I'd be a lot more pissed. But at least the fact that it's Tom Taylor still, even though it's interrupting his main story thread, it, it's at least still well-written. Yeah, can I say that last page? That is the worst I've seen that Batgirl costume drawn ever. Oh, yeah. I, I actually rather liked it. Uh, no, no. Look like yeah, she no, had bell no, bottoms I on. I, and... I really liked it. <laughs> no, everything those is horrible about Those that. aren't bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah I, actually, I, I did think those were her calves. <laughs> yeah, no, it is her calves. I'm just saying it's drawn that badly. Like, everything about that just that entire page i See, got I, to, I, I hated I like it the, i like the strength of the uh of the ink strokes on that I, it's it's a very deliberate in the way it's drawn uh i i i very much like that look um i it's not something that i want with for batgirl all the time but i thought it worked in the in the pay on this page and i felt like it worked in the context of this book but you know it's just not your taste i i i just thought it worked for me I like yeah. it. I mean, considering how much I really love Bruno Redondo's art on this book, normally the the mm-hmm. time, the fact that they had a fill-in artist, Robbie Rodriguez, you know, it, it is definitely a different art style. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I, I liked the kinetic movement of it. Um, and it, yeah, it could have been. Uh, here's the thing I'll say about Nightwing '84. Not only was it good, it could have been a hell of a lot worse as a tie-in book. So right. yeah, I I I, I, will, I appreciated it. I'm I'm not going to take a break for three issues. I'm going to continue with the storyline. Yeah. Um. And, it uh, was really painful seeing his Barbara there, the out-of-costume one, just in comparison to how we saw Barbara in the previous issues of this book with mm-hmm. the regular artist. Because I think the regular artist just nails her. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm I sure he does. Not... That's why he draws her so well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bad. Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, as you might remember from prior months, uh, DC really has a thing for releasing all of their Superman books in all one week. One time. All in one time. So uh-huh. next week we have new issues of Action Comics, Superman 78 issue 2, Superman Son of Kal-El issue 3, Thank all you. from DC Comics next week. Uh, also from DC Comics we have Deathstroke Incorporated, which I normally wouldn't pick up, but... I'm hearing it's kind of a big deal book. I might check it out. I might check out the art on the first issue. It's kind of like a Deathstroke superhero team type thing um, with a partner. With a he's partnering with Black Canary, written by Joshua Williamson. I might check it out. Um, and um, also from DC Comics, we have Batman versus Big B, a Wolf in Gotham issue one. I know Aaron, you had an interest in that book. Uh, that was Wayne. Oh. Okay. I'm not. I'm not a Fables fan. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, yep. I know Wayne. You had an interest in that book. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have, uh, I believe, the conclusion of Nick Spencer's 
run on Amazing Spider-Man in Amazing Spider-Man issue 74 for $9.99. For <laughs> oh! <laughs> Man, it is not the conclusion. The conclusion wraps up in 75. Oh, okay. Well, then that the penultimate. <laughs> that one's a $19.99 book. Yeah. Um, we also have the Darkhold Alpha. Uh, explore the pages of the Darkhold and lose your mind in mighty Marvel fashion. Uh, shows Doctor Doom reading from the Darkhold on the. I'm very cover. interested in that book. Yeah, who, me too. Who's the writer? Steve Orlando and um, Don. <laughs> nice. Uh, that, that's a deep cut, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, I will definitely does, be checking it? into it. Um, we also have the new issue of of Thor uh, continuing the Donny Cates arc. Uh, Revelations. Um, from non-Marvel, non-DC, we have the new issues of Berserker and the first issue of Gun Honey uh, from Titan Comics. I think we all I had am, kind of an interest in that one. I am really interested in that book. It looks so good. Yeah, so I'm going to give that one a shot as well with you, Aaron. Same. Um, yeah. And in two weeks, I know I'm, I'm jumping a little bit further out, but it's something that I saw on Twitter this week and just wanted to remind all of you that Comixology Originals made a deal with Scott Snyder to have original books uh, published through Comixology Unlimited um, uh, or Comixology Originals. Well, I think it's the, I think they are free through Unlimited as well. Uh, yes. And the first of those comes out in two weeks on October 5th. We Have Demons, um, which is a horror book from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. I'm interested in trying that out. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, we want to know what you thought of this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. What a deal. Not Twitch, well, though. I, never I, Twitch. Never <laughs> Twitch. Never Twitch. Or... You know, uh, but you can catch us on our MySpace page. So still MySpace.com slash IOM Geek. <laughs> and and GeoCities. Um, <laughs> that's that that's too long of a URL. You'll have to Google that one. <sighs> Alright guys, we'll do it all again next time. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.